What I'm trying to say is, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It will be an honor, sir. <laughs> so today, uh, we look at the third and final classic Christmas film in our series, Christmas at the Movies. Uh, as the kids shared with us two weeks ago, we looked at It's a Wonderful Life, and we're reminded with George Bailey that the life that God gives to us through his son Jesus truly is wonderful. Last week we looked at a Christmas vacation and learned along with the Griswold family that God has made us all a part of his family through the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our brother. So if you missed one or both of those, uh, they are available to be viewed on stlawrence.org. So I encourage you to check those out. Today we're looking at uh, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. And uh, next week at our big Connect Christmas celebration at the same time, 11 o'clock, we encourage you to come for that. Uh, We're going to have a video that ties the three movies together just a little bit. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Um, Most everyone, I think, is familiar with the story of Rudolph, but let's review. Uh, He has a red nose. Um, He is a reindeer. He happens to be the son of Donner, uh, one of the most famous reindeer of all. Uh, But it seems from early on in his life that Rudolph's colorful nasal defect might just disqualify him from the family business of pulling Santa's sleigh. We'll we'll call him Rudolph. Rudolph is a lovely name. Rudolph. Hey, he knows his name already. Uh-oh. So what happens, let me narrate the rest of the clip, looks like we skipped a little bit of it, is uh, Santa shows up and is excited to meet Donner's new little boy, but he finds out that uh, he has this shiny red nose, and so, so Santa says, uh, well, hopefully that changes so that he can make the sleigh team someday. So early on in his life, uh, Rudolph is already being rejected by Santa. Soon he encounters the taunting and the teasing of uh, his fellow young reindeer as they uh, call him names and exclude him from reindeer games and all of that. But Rudolph is not the only one in this story who simply doesn't fit in. Herbie! Aren't you finished painting that yet? There's a pile up a mile wide behind you. What's eating you, boy? Not happy in my work, I guess. What? I just don't like to make toys. No, well, if that's all... What? You don't like to make toys? No. Hermie doesn't like to make toys. 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 Toys? Shame on you. Do you mind telling me what you do want to do? Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a... A dentist. A dentist? Well, we need one up here. I've been studying. It's fascinating. You've no idea. Molars and bicuspids and incisors. Now, listen, you. You're an elf. And elves make toys. Now, get to work. So we have a red-nosed reindeer. We have an elf who doesn't like to make toys and wants to be a dentist. Uh, Rudolph and Hermie both end up uh, 
getting to the point where they just can't take their misfit status anymore, and so they, they decide to run away from home. Well, as luck has it, they bump into each other, and they, they start to commiserate, and they decide to set out on this adventure together. And so uh, as they do that, they run into this, this uh, unusual and really unsuccessful miner named Yukon Cornelius, pictured before you there. And uh, the three of them and their adventures eventually arrive at the island of misfit toys. Let's see, Kim, can we get that clip up there? Halt! Who goes there? Us, of course. Who'd you think? Oh, well, then that's okay. Okay, who, may I ask, are you? We're Rudolph and Hermie and Yukon Cornelius, sir. Who are you? I'm the official sentry of the Island of Misfit Toys. A jack-in-the-box for a sentry? Yes, my name is... Don't tell me. Jack. No, Charlie. That's why I'm a misfit toy. My name is all wrong. No child wants to play with a Charlie in the box, so I had to come here. The people who did the voices for this were are, are just uh, phenomenal talents, let me say. Well, along with uh, Charlie in the box, the Island of Misfit Toys is also home to to a, uh, a bird that doesn't know how to fly, but he swims, um, a train with square wheels, a boat that does not float. Uh, so it soon becomes clear that this entire movie, the entire tale of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, is a tale of misfits all around, as uh, Rudolph shares in this kind of uh, grating song here. Why am I such a misfit? I am not just a myth. Because my bones closed. Why don't I fit in? You know how you get a really annoying song stuck in your head and then it just won't leave? Well, uh, as I was preparing this sermon, that song unfortunately became just that. And uh, Emily had the pleasure of hearing me sing it in my best, or uh, you might say worst, Rudolph voice. So uh, she's going to be glad when this sermon's done with. But, uh, so, misfits, have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like you just don't fit in, like, like Rudolph or like Hermie? Maybe there's something you don't really care for about your appearance. Maybe you, you, your nose is too big, or you don't like the, the way that your complexion looks, or, or your parents aren't able to buy you all the, the popular clothes that your friends wear, or your interests or your hobbies are, are looked upon by others as different or silly or weird. Maybe your faith in Christ has led you to feel uncomfortable and a little out of place with your group of friends who just don't see things the same way. Or maybe you're still hurting from words that were spoken by, by a classmate or a teacher or, or a coworker or a boss that made it clear somehow that you simply are not part of the group, whether those words were spoken recently or years ago. Worst of all is the inner voice that, that I think we all experience sometimes that tells us we're not good enough and will never amount to anything. I think we've all felt like a misfit at different points in our lives, and it can hurt. So let me ask you this. When you've come to those points in your life, let's see if we can get the next slide up here. How have you tried to hide what sets you apart? For, uh, for Donner, he did everything he possibly could to hide Rudolph's red nose. All right, son, try it on. I don't want to. Daddy, I don't like it. You'll like it and wear it. Oh, but Daddy, 
are more important things than comfort, self-respect. Santa can't object to you now. Maybe it's not a red nose that you hide. I hope that's not the case for you at least. But, uh, but maybe you have that, that mole or that birthmark, birthmark you just can't stand. Or, or maybe it's that acne on your face that just won't go away. Maybe it's not your love for dentistry that sets you apart, but your love for Jesus. But sometimes it's more convenient to set it aside or, or cover it up just so that it, it won't be so offensive or so off-putting or won't give you away. When Emily and I were in town a few years ago for that, that Vicar reunion, you might remember, we were staying at Splash Village and uh, we went to have dinner there one night and we prayed before our meal as we normally do and the waitress actually came up to us to tell us how impressed she was by that because she never sees it happen anymore. I mean, that's just a small example, but think about that. Does your family pray out loud when you go out to eat? It's just a small example, but, but it leads to a larger truth. Are, are you living your faith out loud, or are you uh, shying away from the opportunities that God's given you to tell the world about this little baby boy who came to bring peace on earth? So will you live with your heart and your faith on your sleeve? Or will you tuck it away for safekeeping when you go out in public, when you have people over to the house, and when you go to work or school? Will you hide the gospel of Jesus under a bush? Or will you let that little light shine forth for the world to see, guiding other people through the storm? Letting your light shine is going to make you a misfit. But when you find yourself in that place, it's helpful to remember that you're not alone, and that Christians have always been holy misfits. This is our calling, after all. First Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In other words, we are holy, we are set apart, we are different. In order that we may declare the praises of God and shine forth his light. In Romans 12, uh, Paul talks about how we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the one who renews our mind, even as he renewed the world by being born into it. In other words, God doesn't want us to fit in. He wants us to stand out. Did you hear those topsy-turvy words that Mike read for us just a few moments ago from 1 Corinthians? God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the the powerless, the downtrodden, the the misfits of this world to do his work. And for most of them, misfits, they remain their whole life through. The book of Hebrews, one of my favorite books in the whole Bible, has this chapter in in chapter 11 that's all about faith. And it recounts all the the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. And uh, it kind of gives us an idea of what such misfits should expect In this life, it says there, some of these guys faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Then it concludes, the world was not worthy of them. Jesus told us himself not to be surprised if the world hates us, because it hated him first. And so as, as shocking as it truly is, it should come as no surprise to us when we read about this teenage girl who was the same age as our high school freshmen or sophomores here today, 
who was just like any other normal girl her age, except she had a secret. One that wouldn't remain secret for long because she was pregnant. Now her friends and her family and her entire society were deeply religious. What would they say? What would they do? Would they stone her to death as the law allowed? But remarkably, Mary was not concerned about the opinions of others, just the opinion of God. An angel had brought this incredible news that she would be the mother of God. And she overflowed with praise. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble, she sang. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. No matter what anybody else thought or said, no matter how they looked with shame in their eyes or malice in their hearts as she passed by, Mary knew that this was God's way. She knew that this was how God works, always has and always will. Mary knew that that our God is a God of misfits. She knew that that like the story of Rudolph, the whole of Scripture is an ode to misfits. Misfits like Abraham, whom God chose to be the father of many nations despite his old age and his barren wife. Misfits like Ruth, who, who was a foreigner and a widow and yet gave birth to a royal line. Misfits like David who almost missed his own anointing as king because he was sitting out in a field with some sheep as his brothers were all lined up and ready to go. And so Mary, David's descendant, gives birth to her little baby boy in Bethlehem, the least of the clans of Judah, and in a manger set up to to feed animals in this rudimentary barn cut out of the rock. Whoever would have thought to look for God there? Bethlehem of all places, and in a cave on top of that. But our God is a God of misfits. And so Jesus enters the world as just that. As John told us in our gospel reading for today, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And as Jesus grew older, he would well live up to his ignoble birth. He hung out with with sinners and prostitutes. He assembled a ragtag collection of followers, some rough fishermen, unschooled peasants, a hated tax collector, and a failed revolutionary. The equivalent of a red-nosed reindeer, an elf who wants to be a dentist, and a Charlie in the box. And everywhere he went, he had no place to lay his head As Isaiah had prophesied so many years before, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Jesus just didn't fit into our world, even though it was really his world. And then we led him up a hill, nailed him to a cross, and killed him. And as he hung there for us, he was truly alone, abandoned by his friends, even forsaken by his God and Father. In that moment, Jesus became the only human in history to ever be truly alone. He was the ultimate misfit. You see, God, whose foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom, chose the weak to shame the strong. He chose the things that are not 
to nullify and cancel out the things that are. He chose to use the despised and rejected Son of God's shameful death on a cross to work out our salvation. And so as Paul writes, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Such is the power of the God who raised his son Jesus from the grave. Such is the power of the God who takes us who are dead and makes us alive in Christ. Who cares deeply for the fatherless and the widow. For the laughed at and the left out. The foolish message of the cross is the power of the God of misfits. We all know how the story of Rudolph ends. Rudolph with your nose so bright... Why don't you guide my sleigh tonight? Yeah, I'm trying not to sing anymore, Emily. But uh, yeah, Santa calls on Rudolph to, to guide his sleigh uh, through the storm with his shiny red nose. And I have to admit, it's a little troubling to me personally that a little bit of snow at, at the North Pole of all places has the capability to freeze Santa's global operations. But uh, nevertheless, Rudolph's foolish, silly, misfit nose becomes precisely the thing that saves the day. Ready, Rudolph? Ready, Santa. Well, let's be on our way. Okay, Rudolph, full power. First stop, the island of misfit toys. Up, 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 and away! So Rudolph found his place. What's yours? Through the shameful and humiliating death of Jesus, the ultimate misfit, God has provided a place for all of us with him. So, what foolishness or or weakness or lowliness in you does God want to use in his kingdom? Jesus used a bunch of social outcasts to rock the world 2,000 years ago, and so he can and he certainly will use you too. You are his holy misfit, made to stand out. So will you hide that, or will you live it? Will you take comfort in the God whose grace is sufficient for you in your weakness? Will you hand over all your failures, all your shortcomings, even your weird hobbies, to the service of your king? Let's do that together. You are not alone. This Advent and Christmas season, let's live as God's band of holy misfits, not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the one who